0: Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. And I have to tell you something, people. Uh, you know, I was talking earlier about the Super Bowl, and my guest today was in one of the commercials. But, I, we, we, you know, I noticed was the commercials this year, there's because you see them all week you just don't have that surprise back then you know you sit around the tv i remember being at super bowl parties where everyone was like quiet like when a commercial came on everyone shut up like oh my god I get and the next day they were talking but now what happens is the people sit there and you see them all week and that's because you go online you can see the commercials <laughs> and they say oh yeah this, this surprise super bowl commercial is And it's like well it's not really a surprise so i just it irritates me when i sit there and you see the rack commercials and then no one really talks about them anymore and there are some depressing ones this year and, and it pissed me off that GoDaddy had to pull the dog one because it was funny. Now, if you're offended, I'm sorry. I love pets. I have cats growing. You know, I had two cats. They recently passed, and I love pets. But that commercial is funny, and it just bothers me because it's like, okay, hey, if you're a creative copywriter, you can't write anything now that's a little bit, just a little bit, uh, pushing the buttons because people are gonna bitch and complain. Anyway, enough about that. We have a guest today. He's actually uh, he's with the same agency as me, the RPM Talent people <laughs> over there, in, in the same office building uh, with Tiffany and Jen. That's Jen, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, That's Tomas Boykin. How you doing, Tomas? I'm fantastic, man. How are you? Good. I, I like I like the name Tomas. I, I don't know. It just uh, I it's it's funny. I don't I don't think I know any Tomases. <laughs> and my brother's name is Tom, Right. but Tomas is just a cool name, and uh, and it's just. Did you change your name? Or your name always been Thomas. Well,
1: uh, reluctantly, I changed it. Um, I was born Thomas. Okay. So, and uh, as a kid, I played uh, tennis, uh, junior tennis. So I was a, uh, I was ranked USTA. It was Middle States. Okay. Uh, so I played junior tennis, and um, when I would go to the clinics, you know, the tennis clinics, and you go training and all that stuff. A lot of the kids I played with, um, they weren't from the U.S. So they really couldn't say Thomas. A lot of them just didn't, you know, so, so many, you know, kids from Africa, kids from France, kids from Italy, they would just say Tomas. It would either be Tomas or Tomash. And I'm like, no, my name is Thomas. And I just got tired of it. So, um, all that time, you know, later on, I was doing theater. I'm in Philly. And, um, then people, I wouldn't know if I made a, you know, made a friend, they would call me Tomas. You look like a Tomas. And I'm like, you know I'm thinking well do you know people you know from from my past I moved to New York I moved to LA come to LA somebody just calls me Tomas (laughs) so it just kind of
0: stayed well it's good though because especially for acting because you know it's just it's a different name it's like my brother used to spell his name Tom T-H-O-M right he was a jewelry designer back then and my mom's like you should spell your name Steve S-T-E-E-V I go mom and I look like a (laughs) dumbass." and like mom that's not even like that doesn't make sense but Breur's years Thomas Tom, is good because it, it is different. It catch, catches. It catches. It
1: was good. I tried to hang on to Thomas so long that I actually tried to spell it T H O M A S and like Ray Fines spells okay. Ralph. <laughs> I tried to say right. no, I know it says Thomas, but it's Tomas. So of course when it came time to join the union and you know, make it official, we just, you know, it's Tomas. And
0: your last name uh, caught me because uh, Boykin, the Eagles guy, there's an Eagles, yeah, Boykin named right. Eagles. And so Everybody always,
1: asks me, is he related? I'm like, no.
0: Nah. It's funny because I have a joke with a girl on, on Facebook. She has a Boykin jersey and I always put Boykin. So
1: I think uh, it's Brandon Boykin.
0: Yeah, Brandon Boykin. He's yeah. defensive back. Yeah. So now you're, you're from Philly. Right. Now you were born in Philly. What part of Philly did you grow up in? Southwest Philly. Okay, Southwest Philly. So like, that's like, to, uh, um, down Pashunk. No, is that down the
1: No, path? that's no. Uh, like uh, near Woodland Avenue, Chester okay. Avenue. Um, let me see. Um, very close to, like I used to ride my bike to uh, University of Pennsylvania.
0: Okay. Now you said, now you started, you were a tennis player, a very good tennis right, player. Right, right. I you, used
1: to play at University of Pennsylvania, too. Oh, did you, did yeah. you, you went to Penn? No, no, I didn't. I went to a small college upstate, Kutztown University. I know Kutztown, a comic named Jimmy Carroll.
0: From Philadelphia went to Kutztown. Yeah. And that's funny. So, but now when did you start playing tennis and then how did that intersect with your acting? Because there's such two different fields, but, and both of them must be so time consuming because to be a good tennis player must
1: just take so much. It takes, it takes a lot of money. I remember I was, uh, I don't know. I must've been like around 12 or something like that. And, and my dad and I were, um, we were with a coach and he basically broke down to my dad, you know, in order for this to, if we're going to be serious about this, it's, and this was way back then, you know, this, this is going to probably cost close to 100 a hundred grand a year. So my dad was like, we need to do something else. Yeah. you, you know, That's funny. is because you think about it. It's like, you know, like if people say like ice hockey,
0: okay, yeah, I can understand it. you have to buy the pads and all that stuff. Right. Tennis. Yeah, most people just think. Buy a racket
1: and some balls.
0: No. But I mean, what all? What was your $100,000? I for? mean, it would, that's be, a...
1: it would be for, for, and I was growing up in Philly, so it would be for coaching. Right. Okay. okay. So uh, if you're growing up in, like, I guess Florida, it's easy to, it's probably, it might be less expensive. Because you okay. can play outside and right. everyone. So yeah. in Philly, all of your winter months, you're indoors. That time, you know, has to be paid for, you know. And I loved tennis, so I played. I played in grade school, junior high, high school. I even played into college. I didn't play, you know, competitive tennis, like intramural tennis. But at a certain point, um, the two of them just ran closely together. And also, too, there were, there were girls everywhere. Right. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> we well, always see, like, tennis players. I mean, those guys all marry models. Yeah. Like
0: It's just the thing. Now, what high school did you go to? I went to John Bartram High. Okay, because Bartram, okay. Because ours, Cherry Hill East, had a very good tennis team. Yeah. And we had a guy, uh, Mitch Winkler? Know, he ended up playing for Temple. Yeah. That was a big thing. He almost on playing college tennis. So, so when did you? Uh, when when? Okay, so you, you were a kid. You wanted to, you wanted to play tennis, right? And when did you? I, I read you. You had like the acting bug when you were like in third grade. Yeah, I had always been acting.
1: I had all. I mean, I wasn't serious about acting until after. Uh, I guess maybe probably the last year of college. Okay, I so, was pre-law in college. All right, uh, so you, you had no, this, you didn't think this would be your field? Not really. It was just something I did. And, and you know, growing up in Philly, I, had, I was blessed to have teachers who were frustrated actors. And so we, we read plays, you know, and that was a lot of, that was how I learned to read, reading plays. And then we, you know, we do the plays and we read them and we break them down and then we would act them out. Sometimes you know, in, in in the auditorium or assembly, but um, I I never really got I'm serious about it until probably last year of college, I would think.
0: Okay, so you were, you were going, you went to college, uh-huh. pre law, uh-huh. and
1: you had acted, but you never really. I had thought. done. A, by the time I got into college, I'd probably done through high school. Um, Junior high school, and then I was just hanging out in South Philadelphia, Society Hill. So I was around Society Hill Playhouse, Walnut Street Theater. I was there for about a year and a half, uh, two years, almost two to three years, off and on, going there. So I was around in that that bubble in Society Hill of artists. Okay, but you're doing it. You don't really think you are it, you know? I I
0: didn't. Well, Philadelphia's cool like that because I did comedy in Philly from uh, I started out in probably '88 or '89, okay. and then. And we had a great com- great comedy community uh, back then. There was like, you know, there were so many clubs. There was Going Bananas, Comedy right. Works, Comedy Factory Outlet. Right. And Philadelphia's one of those things. And you laid the TLA. and been, Right, Phil- TLA. Philadelphia's very supportive of the arts. And a lot of people don't think about that. But, you know, you sit there and you go, all, you know, all the good comics come out. Well, you know, Philadelphia, my group of comics, you know, and the group before me, we had Todd Glass, we had Paul F. Right. Tompkins, we had Adam McKay. I right. mean, John Matter, who's a very successful writer, um, and the list went on. Keith Robinson. Right. And Philadelphia has such great talent. I mean, and even like the play, like the playhouses. You said you were around. Right. You know, I had a past guest, a guy named Ben Lippitz, mm-hmm. who went to my high school. He's Pumbaa in the Lion King for the last thirteen years. Oh, cool! But he taught out. He taught at, at Society Hill Playhouse. And I mean, when you're as you're a kid, you knew there was always good plays. As you said, so, Society exactly. And you didn't.
1: I didn't think of movies. I didn't think of television. I mean, uh, when I thought of movies, I just thought those movie stars and people who were in the box or on the screen to me it was it was as if they were harvested on some strange planet whereas you know growing up and going to see plays it was different that was tangible you could you could go into a room and you could see this play and you would come out and when you came out it was the room was like 20 degree 20 degrees warmer it was hot you know what I mean there was energy that was actually there but when I was doing plays when I was, you know, bopping around Philly, I was—I just loved the artist community, you know. And uh, it wasn't until when I got to Manhattan that I thought, "Oh, okay, I guess I'm—I guess I'm doing this." Well, what made you
0: sit there? As you said, you've only really get serious till your senior year in college. You go pre-law, so you're studying, partying, whatever. Yeah. And then, what made you? concentrate that that what what was the turn because you had to take that turn your senior year so what made you sit there and go okay i'm going to pursue this
1: um my my father passed when i was just about to become a man and i was uh i guess it was just before senior year of high school so at that point things started to unravel in terms of what i wanted to do i think my father's death made me um i don't know gutsy i became intrepid about my choices you know what i mean i i just i I, I, an attorney would have been great, but it would have been safe, and it would have been a commoner. Uh, it, it would have been a common um, transition for me. I remember my dad saying to me when I was a little boy, he said, look, you never want to be a commoner. <laughs> I remember him saying that. He was a musician. Okay. So my dad was a musician during that era of the sound of Philly, you know, and and I saw what he was going through as a musician. So when he passed, it it you know, when he died, that just, uh, I just... I just the toll gate just went up and I just okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna act and I and when I moved to New York Then I was thoroughly in it. What made you decide to move to New York when you get out of college? You just said I you uh, know, how long uh, were you in Philly kicking around Philly uh, after college? I was I was in Philly for about I don't know maybe a year and a half and then um, I was uh, I was married at the time and I moved north to like the Poconos moved back to the Poconos. And when I came back, I, I came to New York, you know, and it just, I was, wherever I went, I was looking for a playhouse. Wherever All I right. went, I was looking for theater. It was like church. And also, too, it was cheaper than therapy. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Getting up on stage, being somebody else, that's a lot cheaper than therapy. It's a lot exactly. less expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I tried therapy, so I'm thinking, no, uh, I, I can't keep doing this, you know, so. But theater was just... um Acting was just the only way I could tell the truth without being arrested. All right.
0: Well, that's always. I mean, that's that's what's good. Now the problem, though, is now we have to always watch what we say. Now, which is that bothers me. I mean, as I said about the whole commercial thing. It really. I don't. I mean, as I said, you know, it's art. You know, yeah. you know, I don't like, I'm not going to sit there and tell someone to tell racist jokes or right. rape jokes or things right. like that because right. they're not funny. Right. But the dog thing, that commercial, I don't know if you know the commercial I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah. It was funny. I thought so too. And the thing is, isn't that your ad? And you know, now GoDaddy can put, maybe they should have had Danica Patrick in a bikini, which they always did, have her instead of the dog going home, and then they sell her. That could have shown, but you know, because it's a dog. Yeah. It's crazy. I, uh,
1: yeah. When I saw the ad, I, I was a little bit surprised too. And then. Uh, Some of the cynics started saying that, uh, well, maybe this was a setup for another ad. Oh, yeah. They said that, uh, but there wasn't. Yeah. I I didn't see that. But I don't know. I I guess... It's a, we're in an interesting time right now. You can say whatever you want to say, long as you calibrate it. Right, and it's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's true. You can you you know there's there's freedom of speech sort right. of. Right. I mean, when you think about it. You know, it's
0: sort of. So so when you moved to New York, mm-hmm. where you you you, you, knew, you had you knew you were hitting in the big times. Yeah, for me, I wanted for
1: keeps. Right. When I moved to New York, by that time I had. I had begun doing research and um, so I wanted to go And it was a real traditional the thing is so interesting is that it was a real traditional path you know plays in school you don't think they're serious grade school junior high high school you're in college it's cool and then you get out and you get that career thing going and you're like well, wait a minute there's no foundation for this in terms of how much money you're gonna make but um, when I when I got to New York I thought Okay, well, William Hurt went to New York, and Meryl Streep was in New York, and, and, and I went to New York to see plays when I was a kid, so I just thought, and those guys were smart to me, you know, I, I had an intellectual itch with acting, and going to New York, all that did was allow me to scratch more and more and more, you know, because it was just hardcore theater, you know, you were an actor on the boards, and that's all you did, you know, to the point of exhaustion. Yeah. So you would you would you would go to would you take classes? Um, I did. I took a lot of classes before um, I got to New York. I did take I did do some workshop most of the stuff most of my studying I did at Walnut Street Theater and Society Hill Playhouse and there was also the Wilma Theater. Okay. Uh, okay. I also uh, Studied there but by the time I got to Philly um, by the time I got to New York. I I got to New York by auditioning for a company and so I got into a theater company right away and that was the thing I thought to myself well I'll get into a company like Circle or Wooster Group or something like that and so I got into this company called Pyramid okay and I was there I was in that company for acting company for uh, I guess maybe 3 4 years something like that
0: so you're in New York. You're working. You're, you're an actor. Now you're an actor. I mean,
1: right. you, that's your job. It's, "What right. do you do?
0: You go be an actor. It's not like right. I'm a waiter." You know, you actor.
1: do. I do the. I do the odd jobs here and there. But I was when I was in New York, I was there for about 11 years, and I was sleeping probably four hours a night. You know, because you you didn't make any money doing these plays. You know what I mean? And so you would make money if you did like a tour, right? Like, you know, I I, so I I never got into the big Broadway plays, but I would do tours, and those tours would allow me to pay my rent you know and a lot of stuff was non-union but i was acting yeah like where would you go on some of these tours um some of them would be regional they would be um like all of the the eastern seaboard the okay. east coast you know you might go to new york connecticut philly jersey for how many days on how many performances um like i did this one play called all it takes and we basically just toured pennsylvania and i did we did 10 shows a week, and we did these shows for schools, and so it was a part of an AIDS program, and um, I, I was playing a, a young man, like a, an older teenager, a young man who was suffering from AIDS, and we did that, we did 10 shows a week, two shows a day, Wow. Monday through Friday, and then on the weekends, I did another play from Friday night to Sunday. It's crazy. I mean, you think, I mean, it's <laughs> and, and the thing is you you
0: get so good at you must get to get so good at your craft in that role because you're constantly doing it. And I'm sure there's certain yeah. nights
1: you want to do it a little different or you want to tweak it. Oh, I do. I do, and that's the great thing about doing a play as opposed to a film. Once the thing with a film is that it's locked. Once it's locked, it's locked. Whereas a play, you know, I would have people come up to me on the street and say, "Hey, I saw your uh, I saw your show." And I said, "I'm like, what night?" And I would be able to gauge how I was going to respond. By what night? They, oh, you saw it Tuesday night? Oh, my condolences. Right. <laughs> Whereas, oh, when did you see it? Thursday. Oh, thank you so much for coming.
0: Thank okay. you for coming. Yeah, it's, so, so now you're doing the plays, you're touring. Now, when do you sit there decide to come to L.A.? And why? What was there? Like, a lot of times people say they just had a moment of clarity where they go, okay, let's just, I got to go to L.A. Wow. Um, but
1: how long ago did you come to L.A.? And what, what was your dis- deciding factor in coming to L.A.? Um, the Equity Lort. This, um, there was a, there's something in Actors' Equity called the uh, Equity Lord um, Lottery. It's like a lottery. And so you put your name in a hat at, this time, at that time. You put your name in a hat. And they would pull you out, pull your name. they pull out a number of actors. Like from New York, there's an Equity Lord, uh, And you can go to L.A. And I guess for L.A., you can go to New York. And so when I first came out to Los Angeles, um, I auditioned for all of the big theater houses like uh, Taper, um, Oregon Rep, um, Seattle Rep. You know what I mean? A lot of the large theater. But I I had pretty much had my fill of plays. You know, I mean, if you're going from like 15 up to, you know, like in your, you know, 30s. You're thinking, yeah, I want to do something else, you know, and, and, and I also wanted to act without using my voice to, s- in such a large way. Okay. <laughs> you know, when you're doing plays uh, for a long period of time, you, you know, you you become James Earl Jones. <laughs> you start having a voice like that. You right. know what I mean? And I wanted to, um, I wanted to experiment with the training I had from the theater in film and, and. And be able to to play with subtleties and inward emotions and things that you can see on screen, but you can't see from the fortieth row. Right. Okay. And that's a it's a big difference, you know. Now, so,
0: when you moved here, where, where did you first live? I always find find people because people, especially if you're coming from Philly or back east, it's it's just different. Like in Philly, you know a bad area. You right. know, out here you don't know it's a bad area. I mean, it's hard to pick. I mean, when you, like, people come out here, they say, there, oh, well, I thought it looked nice. It was, you know, and then I moved in and then I heard gunshots. And oh, yeah. When where, I, where did you I, move first? Because I, I moved, luckily I was in Hollywood and it was sort of bad. It was okay, though. But then I lived in, in Westwood and I lived in Burbank. But, and I had people tell me, oh, I know this guy. He lives here, whatever. Where did you first move?
1: Um, I knew, well, before I moved to, to, to L.A., when I was in New York, I got the L.A. Weekly. I got the, the L.A. Papers for a month in advance before I got here. So I you had to buy the L.A. Weekly. It was like $5. Okay. And so I bought the L.A. Weekly uh, every weekend, and then I got uh, also got the L.A. Times. I read all of the L.A. Papers. And I knew from that and talking with friends that moving to the Valley was much cheaper. Right. So we moved to Van Nuys. Okay. Uh, so a a young, uh, a, a dear friend of mine, um, Cindy, she was touring with me. And so we came out here on two separate days. It was like a trust thing. We made this pact. that, you know, so we're going to go to LA. I got into the Equity Lord audition, so we're going to do that. She wasn't in on that, but she was an actor too. So I came the day before she did, and then she moved, the, like she came the day after. And we, we decided to go into, I think it was uh, Oakwood. Uh, corporate housing. Oh God, yeah,
0: that's that's uh, that's
1: right down the. Well, that's one in Burbank. <laughs> well, and we went to the one in Van Nuys. Which, so expensive, Sherman Way. We thought, this is great. Yeah, and it was. Even back then, it was like, I'm like, damn, this is what sixteen hundred dollars. You know right. what I mean? It's too bad, and it's furnished. And you just think it, and you come out here, and you got no job. You know, and um, so we did that. But when I first got here, I was in North Hollywood. Okay, and since we didn't have our apartment yet, I stayed in a powder blue hourly hotel wow in north hollywood when i first got here i I was so afraid i i slept with my clothes on the first night and uh and it was raining and you know i knew about hollywood but i thought wait a minute this can't be the north section of hollywood right
0: yeah (laughs) it is it's weird yeah because i always that's true you say that because i always think the same thing too there's hollywood north hollywood's not even close to hollywood right it could be called north burbank right because it's not and it has nothing
1: to do with Hollywood. And no, right. you're right. It's weird It's like why who named it? I don't even know if it's north is it north or and, is it west. Exactly. In in Van and Van Nuys is very quiet and it was just really it was suburban, you know, cuz I was living in Manhattan. So I was used to things being open right all the time. And here it was that was not the case. Well, in Burbank where I live, there's actually the Denny's here closes
0: I think it's the only Denny's that. Are you serious? Yeah, like one time we I thought had, they like, were all open twenty four. No, this one isn't. Like one time it was like we were just like oh, I want ice cream or something or like pie. You uh-huh. know, let's go to Denny's. <laughs> 11, 11 o'clock, it's closed. I'm like oh, Denny, and like I thought all no. same thing. Yeah, so that's that's Burbank
1: for you. It's like, yeah, you know, that, they, that's the big thing with Los, Los Angeles. Angeles. You don't when you're not when you don't live here, what you see on television is is very different. Than um, when you get here. Oh yeah,
0: and also on television, I always crack up because they sit there and they totally, uh, they like you know. And I, I like that show um, Southland before it got canceled, and right. you see like they're driving down Hollywood Boulevard, and they get a call to Westwood, and they're there in t- two minutes. No, no, no. Hollywood to <laughs> Westwood gonna take you like <laughs> right, you know, or are going to Bel Air. Right. So so you moved out here, and, and so now I want to we're gonna talk about your career more. I want to talk about the commercial No, because uh-huh. you were just in the commercial for Morphe. It was Morphe Morphe. Yeah. yeah. Okay, now, did you have to audition a lot for that? Because when it is a Super Bowl commercial, people he played uh, God. I guess you played God. That, that's what your role, right? Right. Like when you read for it, did it say you are reading for God, or they didn't tell you? Um, yeah, it it did say that. And well, that so, must be cool. You are like yeah. shit. I am going
1: to be God. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know. I I didn't know. I know that when um, the, they wanted us to to be in white, okay. they wanted me to be in white. So. Um, uh, I thought, well, you know, I had this tunic one time that was like uh, light blue, and I think it got lost in a move or something like that, and it was like a long garment. It was very cool, And um, but I, I couldn't find it. So my lady, her her daughter had a graduation gown, white. So what I did was for the audition, you know, I knew what I had to have on. I had my hair all picked out. I had on white jeans, white Jack Purcells, and this uh, white graduation gown, and that's what I auditioned it the first time, and then I got called back. And then after I got called back, uh, I was on a veil for a little bit, and that's the way it happened. Did you know it was for a Super Bowl commercial? Um, I didn't really find that out until, because I was also on a veil for another commercial. Um, I didn't really find out until probably after I'd gotten it. And then I thought, oh, okay, so in my mind, I'm always breaking things down. Oh, it's going to be in the Super Bowl. Oh, okay, so it it might be in the Super Bowl. So in my mind, you know, (laughs) because I'm thinking it's a gig, you know, I'm just going to do this gig. And then as we went along, I I was able to ascertain, okay, so yeah, this is definitely going to be in the Super Bowl. Now, is it your first commercial? No. Okay, what are some other commercials you've done? Um, Let's see, I did a McDonald's. I did a Quiznos. um, Did... Uh, another tech commercial some time ago, I forgot dealing with bundles. I can't re- the the name of the company escapes me. And the one that I really liked was uh, uh, a Dodge commercial I did in 2010, which was a sort of a take on the Dark Knight, the Batman film. And uh, we had a lot of fun doing that one. Uh, I was in the. the the Dodge minivan, and I think Michael C. Hall does the voiceover. Okay, you know, so that one ran for quite a while, but never a Super Bowl commercial before. Now, when you go to audition for a commercial, because you have a background in theater and you
0: did theater for so long, how do you? I mean, how do you not take? I'm not. I can't. I'm not saying hey, take it serious because we take everything serious, but it must just be like so different for you because it's commercial. You, you, I mean, you know, how commercial audition. As you yeah. walk in, okay. Yeah. Say this, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Show your hands. Yeah. So, well, I mean, what was that like? Is that very easy for you? Or do you, I mean, because it's so different and you've had, do you have the, the acting chops? I mean, because commercials, you know, you can be a crappy actor, you can get a commercial. You know, right. a lot of times you don't have to act. Right. You can just, hey, look, he's got two heads. So we'll put him in a commercial. Yeah. But for you, I mean, what's it like when you go, do you really, do you, do you analyze the role? Like, would you get the role? Oh, right?
1: no, you don't really have time. You know, you really don't have time. I, I, I mean, when I first got out here, pe- the first thing people said to me, "Oh, Tomás, you need uh, lower your voice, bring it down, bring it down." You know, because when you're doing plays, like I said, you're reaching a f- person in the fortieth row. You know, so um, when commercials are—it's you sneak in acting as an actor. You have to literally you sneak it in because I mean, you you know, you can see commercials where the people just did not have to act. You know, they just didn't have to act. Whereas in, in theater, when you have to actually act and play a character, you have to act. Right. You know what I mean? You have to, you have to be coming with layers. But so often, you know, just doing that, you, you, there's, <laughs> there's, no, there's no acting going on. But for this piece, it was, um, it was uh, and I had played God before. In what? In, in a feature film called I Am. So, and that was a 20th Century Fox film that was released in 2010, and that was like a, dealing with the Ten Commandments, and uh, that was the first time I played God, and that was that was interesting. So that kind of made it easier to do this, you know. Why do they think they pick you to play God? I I mean, it's just sort of weird,
0: like you think, you know, and when you say, okay... And it's great. It's great as long as I'm going to let him play God. That's great quality. Like, and the people are not going to have me play God. They're going to go. Maybe I'll play like a court jester. <laughs> but, but how? I mean, what's that? I mean, how do you think? I mean, it, it's supposed to must be cool when you get a read and says, "Okay, we want you to play God."
1: Um, uh, y- y- because everyone else puts so much on it. Um, there's very little outside of just executing the performance. There's very little I can. I get to put into it in that way because it's it's moving so fast. When I played God in a film, um I remember when I went to the audition, the, the writer director said, Look, we're we he saw me on something that was on YouTube and he was like, I want that guy. So they had they they did they did so much casting, you know, they looked at every race you know, genders, ages, everything and they couldn't find someone to play God in this movie. And uh he says, What we're looking for is we're looking for Morgan Freeman slash Morpheus. And I looked at him and I'm like, dude, I can't do that. I'm, that's not me. He right. goes, he's like, you're it right now. <laughs> so I'm like, you want me to do this? He goes, just just do what you do. You know, the way you speak, whatever you, just do that. And so I did that and I got that role and w- playing God in the Mophie commercial. Um, I, you know, they, they wanted what they saw. And what they heard, and then we went forward from there. Well, what's cool about it is, and it is—it's a very—it's uh, a
0: very well put together commercial. I oh mean, yeah, I mean, it's just—it's one of those things that you sit there and you remember it. I mean, that's the thing because the opening, you know, and, and you you don't know what it's for, right? And that's what's cool. I mean, sometimes I sit there and go, ah, uh, you know, I mean, my mom was in a. Market research, and I would say, oh, it's a very good commercial. Oh, I saw this commercial, but what product was it for? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. She was it wasn't that good of a commercial, but for yours, it's you don't know what's going on at first, but then all of a sudden, you find out what it's for. Right. And it's uh, it's, it's just classic. It's good. Yeah. So you know, have you got recognized from? I know it's only a few days ago, but have have you been asked anyone recognize you from that? Um, I don't think
1: so. Um. I, I saw a young lady ye- yesterday, and she was really polite. And I think she did, um, but I, I'm, I'm I don't think so. Not yet. I mean, if it if as it continues to run, um, perhaps people will, you know, they'll recognize me. You might
0: get some crazy people who think you really are God. <laughs> You'd be
1: walking around. They'll go, oh yeah. You'd be like, I'm not God. Yeah, it's um, like I say, I, I, playing God is another character, and so I tried not to, to hyperbolize it or make it more important than what it what it was you know the thing that was daunting with the film that i did mm-hmm. was when i played god i said well what i'm like john what am i wearing he goes you know what what you have on right now let's just go with that i'm like are you serious yeah i mean, you think it's god i mean you know i mean you know, god's got to get tired of white wearing white all
0: the time yeah
1: whereas you with know? mophie we had they went through a number of costume changes I okay i had a they were like maybe 20 different robe changes, and at one point I was going to have all white Don King hair. Okay. You know what I mean? I was literally, I was going to be looking like probably a version of uh, Ian McKellen from, you know, what is it, Lord of the Rings or something like that. I was going to end up looking like that. Uh, So at some point, we went back again for costumes and makeup, and they, they decided, well, why don't we go with your hair? You know, and maybe we'll... Do something to it, augmented, and put some gray stuff on it, and put you know, put heavy, put some makeup on you, and then we just went with the robes, you know. So um, this was more of a figurative. The God in Mophie is kind of like what you think he might look like, up there. right? Okay, yeah. You no, know I mean with the phone, frustrated over not having reception. So that was on and that was that you know, and then
0: I'm sure it's gonna be play a lot and uh, it's a good commercial and you know, any Super Bowl person can play that. But I wanna go back before you got the commercial. When you first moved to LA, okay, and when you said you came out here in Van Nuys uh-huh. and you were a, a stage actor uh-huh. and you start you wanna pursue getting on film and T V.
1: Right. Where do you start? I mean, did you have an agent when you came out here, or did you have to find an agent? Um, yeah, I had an agent from New York who set me up with someone out here, and I had that agent for a, for a short period of time. When I first came out to Los Angeles, of course, to keep my instrument going, I think I must I think I did like seven plays right away. Okay, now where were that? Just oh, I did a I I did a play in Tahunga, um, downtown Los Angeles, um, uh, in Hollywood. I just, because that was my way also of getting an agent. So what I would do, when I was in New York, when I needed to get good representation, I would do a play. And hopefully it would be reviewed because you don't want to do something that's not going to get reviewed. And so I would send out my pictures and resumes um, along with reviews. Okay. And I would you know that way i would be able to get an agent you know uh, and so i did the same thing out here and uh, so to get into plays i would audition and uh give them my picture and resume and i would have reviews from new york you know um and that would help me get in you know but i needed to act right away you know because the transition from from theater to film is is big right it's really big you know and so if you come from one year where you did nine plays and then you're in los angeles you don't want to go on a different conveyor belt at that point. You know what I mean? It was—it wasn't like because film is hurry up and wait. You know, and that was a very so. I just started doing plays right away. You know, wherever there was a play, you know, if it was if it was close enough, I did it.
0: Now was it a was it a different world for you when you had to start auditioning for stuff? I mean, not not
1: as a play audition, but for movies and TV. Yeah, it was. It out here. Um, you in New york it's a hustle, and so you can see the, the hustle and and the comp- and the competition is very tangible. You can see it and taste it and touch it here you can't you know there's a you know people are in bubbles you know and and the caste systems are a little bit different than say in new york you know i you could go into the you know a e a building in New York and you know you might find you know, this is back in the day, you might see Delroy Lindo out front. Okay. You know what I mean? Or Samuel L. Jackson, or you You might see someone like that, and they might be going into that building. Whereas out here, it's it's a lot different. You know, people go from the car bubble to their apartment bubble to their work bubble. You know what I mean? So it's not as out there in the street as as it is in New York. But, um, yeah, it was, you know, you had the same auditioning process, getting an agent, and, um Trying to stay competitive, you know. Now, what was your first movie role out here? My first film role out here was um, a film called Crack Up. And, uh, and I, I, about four years ago, I was searching for it online. And I, I mean, I, I must have been online like maybe an hour <laughs> before I saw like okay. a little snippet of it. And I did this film in 98... Or something like that. I think nineteen ninety eight, and uh, I I think I saw one. I think I saw the version of the film. Saw one version of the film complete, maybe once. And then after that, in ninety nine, I did a film called. Uh, um, uh, I played an FBI agent. Among thieves. Among thieves.
0: I yeah. By you. yeah. <laughs> now, now, what 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 was your what was it like for you when you started doing these movies? Once again, because you had the stage where it's instant gratification you're doing a whole scenes Mm -hmm. what was it did you like the movie process or when you were acting a movie did you miss being did you miss the
1: stage um yeah i did miss the stage because i mean theater is a is is an actor's medium so everything is for the actor whereas um, in film it's such an ornate affair that and so many people are involved that have nothing to do with you just performing. You know what I mean? In plays, there's the director, there's the playwright, there's the audience, there's the stage. You know what I mean? And that's about it. Whereas in film, there are a lot of people, you know, working really, really hard to help this collective go forward with this vision. Um, And then, as I said, in film, there's a lot of hurry up and wait. You know, I could go to a set and be there 10 hours and work 15 minutes. So I had the discipline was learning how to how to channel your energy, how to hold it, harness it, and be fresh for when you do get to work. Now I'm looking through. I'm looking at your resume. There's some different movies on here. Uh, what was nude
0: nuns with big guns? <laughs> That's just the title. Because I was in years ago. I was in this really awful movie. And people, you can see it. Uh, I think it's on Netflix. So called Killer Drag Queens on Dope.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like it's Grindhouse. Yeah. So and- what was
0: that like? I mean, what, and what is it, and when you get an audition for that, I mean, how do you sit there and and it's it's acting and it's work. Yeah. I mean, we all work. But when you see the title, you must go. What the hell am I getting myself into? I mean, how-
1: I you know what it was just. Um- it was it was a gig, and I wanted to do it badly, and I had some friends who were in it, and that's how I met my manager. By the way, um, New Nuns with Big Gun was a with Big Guns is a grindhouse. So I auditioned for like maybe three, I auditioned for three roles, and one was one one was uh, the character was black, but I wasn't big enough. Okay, the other two characters were Latino. And so they wanted me to, you know... I said, well, you know, Cubans come darker than me. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> <So, laughs> look at Sammy Sosa. He's, <laughs> he's
0: very dark. You know. Well, not now. I don't know if you've seen... Oh, okay, I don't know. What happened
1: to him? I like, don't know, dude. What,
0: what is this? You know, it's so funny. I mean, just to get off the subject, what we're talking about, but... but like, when people get plastic surgery, okay, you get it... So many people get it, and they look worse... Yeah. than before. I don't understand. Are they, are just, is, it, is it just, do we have a lot of bad plastic surgeons? I mean, it's like, you know, some of these people, it looks awful. I
1: don't know. I think there's criticism, whichever way you go. I mean, Renee Zellweger, I thought, pretty good job with her. It's just, she didn't look like. Like me. Renee Zellweger, exactly. Because yeah. you knew when she had the little pout, you know, that was her look. Yeah, book. exactly. You know, she had that, so, uh, but I thought she looks, I mean, now she looks a little bit like, um, Kelly Lynch. Right. Yeah, she looks a little bit like that, but um, but you know, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I I'm not doing no plastic surgery. Yeah, me, uh, <laughs> so 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 you you so you got the role as a Latino. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't get the role as a Latino. I I auditioned for two Latino roles, and I'm like, I can do this. So I went back for the third audition. It was a motorcycle guy. I think his name was chavo or something like that and i'm like and what they wanted and I'm, and I'm one of those actors who just literally thinks outside the box before i even go so i went in there with his leather pants and vest and they're looking at me and they're like dude you're back again where do you get these clothes so i went home didn't get that role then i get a call from one of the joseph uh guzman who basically um they said, look, we, we really want to work with you. So we, we had this idea. And this was around the time that uh, Obama had all of the controversy with his preacher, uh, Jeremiah Wright, the, okay. the minister, the controversial minister, the church from which uh, uh, the president resigned. And uh, they said, we're thinking of you being a preacher way over the top. Of course, this is in the 70s, and you're going to be way over the top. And as a bonus, we're going to you can write out the sermon. So I got a role that was invented for me and I wrote out a sermon and the role and the role that I play it's it's me with this over the top preaching that literally is just I mean, it's like they said Jeremiah Wright on on acid. So I just went way over the top and it takes place um, during a love scene between two women, and I'm on television. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so they're they're getting busy on this on this bed that's like got this crushed velvet blanket on it, and I'm on television rebuking, you know. So um, yeah, but it was way over the top. It's just grindhouse stuff, and I don't think I've ever done anything like that. But it was a lot of fun. How did you uh, come up with what you're going to write for the sermon? Are uh,
0: you a religious person? Do you go to church, or did you?
1: Um, I, I'm a. I mean, I i'm a i'm a man of faith um and um but i'm not i i guess you could say i don't um i don't spend a lot of time pontificating or it's a private thing with me you okay know? it's it's you know it's my personal relationship with god and so i'm not gonna try to convert people or you know spread ministry all or that's that's not what my job is i'm i'm an artist but um The way I came up with my sermon was I looked at the movie and they said, look, just do whatever we want you to go so far. We have to pull you back. Okay, so I went really far. I went really far. I mean, I was I was talking about teenage pregnancy, homosexuality. I was talking about all of the controversial. Matter, all of the controversial issues that that affects society or that that people in society have varied opinions about. And, um, and I was basically in this sermon, just, um, it was a lot of vitriol. (laughs) You know, I was a, I was a mean preacher and, uh, but it was a lot of fun, man. I wrote out like four pages. See, that's
0: cool. That's great that you get to, and then you, then you really know how you're going to deliver because it's coming from you. It's not coming from someone else. And it was
1: exhausting. We went into a little church in San Bernardino and it was empty. And, uh, and for about an hour and a half, I was basically looking, I was in religious euphoria, <laughs> jumping up and down, preaching and pointing out to people in the, you know, in the, in the uh, congregation, and you are a sinner, and look at you, you're getting, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're getting welfare, and you're getting all of this stuff for free, and I mean, I went after, I was like die hard conservative, and, uh, but it was comedy, you know, it was a lot of fun. Now, but what's uh, what's the, uh, what's a Maddie Award? A Maddie Award is award that um, a very old, not old, but a, a dear friend of the theater scene out here uh, in Los Angeles, um, I guess she's been a part of it. Her name is Maddie, and she's been a part of, uh, I believe her name is Maddie, she's been a part of, it, of the theater world in Los Angeles since like the 50s or the okay. 60s. And so because she's been such a, a champion for theater, in Los Angeles, and um, a patron, and just a friend of 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 creatives out here on the stage, um, an award came, I guess, bearing her name, and I did uh, mice and men, and that's how I got uh, nominated for that and won it for best actor. So you got in Maddie, and then now, what did you win the Ovation Award for? Um, the Ovation Award, um, I believe, that was also for. Um, The Ovation Award was also for um, Of Mice and Men, I believe. And uh, that was also in 2009, I believe. Okay. Yeah. We we won a number of... When I did Of Mice and Men, which was great, was around the time that No Country for Old Men and um, There Will Be Blood was out. So... And if you know the play of Mice and Men, it takes place in California, you know, like, what, in the early 1900s. So I really, I was really able to get into that time period. And we did that play, I guess, maybe for about six months or so. Okay. That's cool. Now I'm looking at some of the other movies. There's some different ones here. What's Ice Cream for Breakfast? Um, I, we are hoping to put that into festivals. Ice Cream for Breakfast is a pr- – I'm really proud of that. It's, a, um, it's directed by the same director of Lineage. And Ice Cream for Breakfast is a, is a short film about a father who, I play Clyde, who abuses his daughter when she was um, a kid. And to get his way with her, um, he would offer her, he would say, you know, if, if I'm able to, if daddy's able to be what we know daddy can be, then I'll give you Ice Cream for Breakfast. And, of course, he, it was about a father who abused his daughter when she was a little girl. She grows up. She becomes a prostitute. Okay. She picks up a boyfriend pretty much off the street. And unbeknownst to the boyfriend, her plan is to go visit her old man after years of not seeing him, almost unrecognizable to him. And um, make him admit all of his wrongdoings or she'll kill him. And it takes place right in his apartment. Now, that must be a really hard role to play. I was man I so wanted to do that I mean how do you get because you basically you're
0: playing a piece of crap yeah I mean I mean that's so and you know that and you're a nice guy and that's one thing about acting but I know, I mean I know you know some people are like I could never you know people and people always remember those roles right and people will see it and they'll go the guy I had a guest who was on a long order SVU and he played you know a pedophile and right. people see it and it sticks right and those, are, those are the roles that make a difference right so i mean how did this part? how did this come apart about and how did they sit there and say it's just weird oh yeah we want you to play god in a commercial i mean we want you to play a father who sleeps with his daughter yeah. i mean how did how did they
1: find you um i had worked with the the director uh jabril ty murphy and we had a really great time working on lineage and i auditioned for lineage and so the project ice cream for breakfast which was uh, written by sarah louise wilson really brilliant writer um they just thought of me for clyde and um and when i read it i just saw the material and i for me i don't know i'm able to separate myself from the gravity of the role pretty okay. easily because i i guess after doing so many plays i'm used to i'm very clear that ain't me up there that's not me You know what I mean? Because I played a pedophile on stage in New York, and I played Ren for, like, um, I guess it was probably about eight months, and there were parents. There were people who had kids, and they just didn't even want to... um, they didn't even want to shake my hand at the end of the performance. You know, I mean, they loved what we did on stage, and I didn't. There was nothing graphic, but just the fact that this guy was this way. Yeah, the idea, what you know, it's just you know, that scum. Yeah, the really, they they were just repulsed by it. But um, ice cream for breakfast was just written so well. I just, you know, for me, doing ice cream for breakfast would be like Tom Wilkinson in. Um, uh, that film he did was Sissy Spacek uh, okay. in the bedroom, right? You know what I mean? You just you look at that and I think basically the 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 guy was a bad father because he let his Son have an affair with an older woman. You know what I mean? So it was the whole m- Morality thing, you know, and how is his father going to make sense to his daughter? After she's grown How is he how is he going to be held accountable and how is he going to own up to it in front of a stranger? Right. Who he doesn't know is a stranger. So, you know, Clyde is literally trying to suss out women. Now, so this is your boyfriend? And mm-hmm. he hasn't seen his daughter's daughter in like maybe 20 years? You know. But I, yeah, I had to play that. I had to, I had to jump at it. Now, you have some other movies come out. Now, Lazarus Rising. Lazarus Rising. Uh, I play uh, Owen, uh, who's a drug dealer and uh, sort of a bad guy gun runner. And uh, that one's going to be, uh, supposed to be coming out in March. We shot that 20, the end of 2013 uh, in Boston okay all right and uh eric roberts is in that um, i just met eric roberts he's gonna be on the show in a few months yeah. a few weeks i
0: just met him at i went to the hollywood show it's oh okay my friend uh rob always goes and he knows the, the guy so we we went and i gave a bunch of people my info and eric got back to me it was cool
1: yeah he uh so that one's going to be coming out in march and um yeah i had a lot of uh, it was great to get back to the east coast yeah what's that like they, they sit there okay so you're, you're gonna shoot in boston how long were you how long were you back there um, I visited my mom in Philly while I was there, too. I was shooting in Boston for three days. Because okay, so they, they send you
0: out there, yeah. and then you stay in. Now, that must be a good little getaway.
1: Yeah, yeah. And also, too, you get to visit the family. And when you're out here from the East Coast, I don't care how long... Well, I love Philly, and I love the East Coast. So I could be in Los Angeles for 100 years straight. I'm still wired for the East Coast. I mean, psychologically, sociologically. Oh, yeah, that's so true. I
0: mean, I, I you know... I've been out here for a long time, but before my girlfriend moved out here, you know, I was, for two years, I was bi-coastal. I go back right. east once a month. right? And you just pick up, it just it's like nothing changed, you know, right. which is weird. But then, of course, they get their asses kicked by weather. I was like, you know, yesterday, you know, I posted on Facebook, I'm walking around with a T-shirt, you know, and taking a walk. And in the sun, in the 75-degree weather here,
1: and they're, they're going, yeah, great, we have slush. Right, right, right. So, but, um... Yeah, man, I, I definitely had to do ice cream, and, and it, was a, it was a great time. And um, I would work with Jabril again in a second, you know, or, and definitely Sarah Louise Wilson. Now, what, how, how's
0: the TV treating you? I know, are, are you going out to all this? Because you have a lot of features. Are you trying to get more television
1: work? I'm trying to get more of everything. Everything work? You know, I, yeah, man. I'm, we got a I'm, national commercial going right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I mean, one of the things I realized about this industry, I look at it as a sport, Okay. And um, uh, and and I also I don't while I don't think we're as, as artists we're in competition with one another it helps to have a competitive edge right you know Miles Davis never looked back he just never he just never did and so you just keep going forward you know like a shark always just keep going in some way keep going forward so um, I want to do more television I want to do more features I want to do more commercials. Um, I'm here to do this. I just want to do it a lot more and on a much bigger scale. <laughs> now, now are you, do you still do a lot of theater or no? Uh, I'm looking for plays to do. You know, So you would, want to do that? Yeah, yeah, I would love to go. I would love to do Broadway. I would love to go back to New York. Um, the thing about a play is that it's steady employment. Right. When it's running. You know, I've done, I did a play, The Diary of Black Men, and I, I did that for, uh, the first run of it I did for about a year and a half. Okay. You know what I mean? And then we did a t- we toured with it for about three years nationally. So you don't get to do anything else. Right, I was gonna say, then you really can't you can't pursue the T V and film. Right, but you are but you but your instrument is so, you know, tuned up and toned, you know, in terms of being in performance mode. Um, which is I don't know. When I do plays, what it feeds in me is the musician side. Okay. You know what I mean? It's the stage, and it's the people, and it's the... You can't take back any second. Whatever second passes, you can't get it back. You can't edit it. You can't do anything with it. It's done. You know, so the the great thing about doing plays is that it's like a train that's just going crazy, and the best thing you can do is to decide to have a good time.
0: Now, do you play any music? Because I know you said your father was a musician.
1: Um, I haven't recently. I used to play bass guitar a lot. Okay. And my dad was a, a bass guitarist.
0: Okay, that must have been cool. I
1: mean, the Philly yeah. music scene, I mean, did you go to the shows when you were
0: younger? or Did you, um, did you no, see uh, him perform?
1: Or? Yeah, well, I didn't get to, because a lot of, they were, you know, primarily for older crowds. Okay. You know I mean, so we were talking about jazz and R&B, and um, so at the time that he was really, uh, active. I was a little too young to to be around a lot of these guys, but I was around them enough to 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 get a lot of, of what that social milieu was was like. Okay. you know what I mean? Because they rehearsed in our house. So when you're you know like when you're nine and you know eight or nine, ten years old, and you're around guys who are smoking and drinking and and talking music constantly and rehearsing, you know I got used to that and that. For me was my as a little boy that was my first entrance into introduction to being in any kind of a art world and seeing people create art on the spot and see cats argue about you know an a minor or f sharp right <laughs> you, know, a, you know and uh but when i was a little boy i just i didn't i thought about being a musician at at one point and um and at the time that i thought about being a musician it was too late I would have wanted to train like i would have wanted to and you can you can train with acting a lot later right whereas with music i would have wanted to start training like with the same as tennis like maybe you know when i was like a kid like eight or nine or something like that Do you still play tennis uh yeah yeah And I mean you're still really good uh I well I'm, I'm i'm sure i'm not as good as i was years ago
0: <laughs> you know was a big tennis player who i didn't know she was on my show last week ray Dong chung really she's a really she's plays she's played a lot of like she plays like the celebrity tour like they have like you know oh okay she said her and Elizabeth Shue is also supposed to be a very yeah. good tennis player I know
1: player. the Baldwin brothers were, were big tennis they look player. like tennis players yeah. Yeah, like, yeah yeah, except that Daniel he doesn't <laughs> <laughs> um, now you were in Parenthood yeah I did
0: I did Parenthood I think they they just had their last show yeah what was that like because you're going on you're, you're doing you're a guest star
1: yeah and so many talented people on that show yeah yeah, that was just, that's where I want to go. I, w- I would love to do TV like that. Um, the great thing about doing that show was just, when you come from independent film and indie film and low-budget film and experimental stuff and plays and um, TV shows and commercials, there's money there. You know right. What I, mean? They have, I mean, like, when, we, when I was on Parenthood, just the food that was at your fingertips was, was unbelievable. I mean shrimp rolls. I mean just, and it would be someone coming by with a cart, um, and it was so fast. You know, I could really get used to doing a show every day. You leave and you don't. You don't work on the weekends, right? You and know. you
0: become they become a second family. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's because the crew. You know, everyone's there for each other, right? And if it's on a cool show, it's great. Of course, right. if it's not. That it sucks, but right. you know, it must be a great feeling. Plus, just knowing that you're employed right like you're going okay we just got 12 shows ordered okay
1: i have 12 weeks of pay right right and that's the great thing about and that's and that's what i think a lot of a lot of us are looking for probably a small percentage of us are looking for it and then we get it and we're like oh man if i could get out of this (laughs) right i don't i don't know what that would be like you know but uh it was i loved working on parenthood and the cast was great and I, I got to work with CeeLo Green, and um, and it went fast. And you know, things are it, it moved. It was a lot like plays, but everything is centered on the writing. You know, um, but yeah, it was a great experience. So you still are you getting are you getting out for commercials again a lot?
0: Or yeah, you, I was. Can uh, you not do certain commercials because of a mofi one?
1: Well, yeah, I probably. I well, they let you know what you can't do. Like when okay. I did the Dodge commercial, I couldn't do any car commercials for um, I guess a year, a year, two years, or something like that and uh or when it stops running and then you have to get that um release that allows you to do other things. Um but I was on a I was on a call back yesterday, you know, and I'm hoping hoping like we get it. What about what product. Um it you know, we were we were trying to dis- I don't really know what the product is okay. because it's it was it was unusual for me because it was a piece where I was playing an office tool, you know, like just this dorky guy in an office, like like the show, The Office, and um, um, or Thirty Rock or something like that. And they wanted people in office attire that was not hip. Okay. And I never get that. I never get anything like that. So I'm I'm getting to play something. I you know I was it was fun to play a guy who was sort of in the just an odd social character you know and uh i hope i get it though i you know <laughs> i could use another commercial well do you think you think if if this other uh
0: you know the commercial the Mophie, if, mm-hmm. if you know
1: if it starts playing a lot which it should and you start getting recognized will you be fine with that yeah i don't have a problem with that i cuz the roles i've played have been so varied i've never been um and that's why my fan page doesn't say actor director or Entertainer, it as artist, you know um like i played like in junkie uh, we that was a role that i that was just offered to me by adam mason um and i think when i came on board for junkie it was like about 40 pages into the script so we were able to workshop the script okay. to completion um and in that piece i play a a doctor um a gay doctor who moonlights as a uh, a drug dealer, okay, from the Palisades, who is incredibly violent. I had so much fun playing that it. it was just
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're the ones that the sound good. So we
1: got to wrap up in a minute or two. Okay. Um, now, now, how do people follow you? Do You have a website? Yeah, um, the best place um, there's Tomasboykin.com. And I'm also on Facebook, uh, Tomas Boykin Fans. Um, I'm on Twitter. I just follow you. because I saw you follow me. I followed yeah. you on Twitter. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Tumblr. I'm Are you at Thomas Boykin on Twitter? Uh, at Tomas Boykin on Twitter. Um, and um, I'm on Tumblr. I'm on Pinterest. You know uh, a lot of the, yeah. stuff. Yeah. You're a social media junkie. <laughs> yes, yeah, stage 32.
0: I'm out there. All right. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you and, so uh, much. He's a fellow RPM. You know, we're rep by the same people, but he gets work. I don't. That's the difference. But uh, so follow him at Thomas Boykin. Always go to Twitter, people. And it's Thomas yeah. No H. Tomas. No H. That's Tomas. Tomas, not Thomas. Tomas. And uh, yeah, so follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk. Follow me at Co- Co- Cooper Talk on Twitter. Website, coopertalk.net. I have about 325 episodes up there. You can email me. Cooper at coopertalk.net. I will respond to your email. I'll tell you what's going on. Tell me what guests you like. Uh, Twitter, uh, as I said, at coopertalk. And if you go to iTunes or Stitcher, type in one word, coopertalk. All my shows are up there. And also, the following networks play me. They're all great. Well, besides indie 100, check out allradiox.com. Brody James is a great thing over there. Uh, The405media.com. rentradio.com. WSDIChicago.com and the new one I'm starting on is Wildfire Radio. It's out of South Jersey. Some great shows in there. My friend Joe Matarese has one. Philadelphia comedy legend Big Daddy Graham has one. And former Major League Baseball player Mitch Williams has one. So check out WildfireRadio.com. So you guys keep listening people. You know I'm a Big things, good guests coming up, and that's about it. I don't really know what to say. I have 15 seconds left, but I want to thank my guest, Tomas, Tomas Boykin. Go check him out at Tomas Boykin and at TomasBoykinExperience.com. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. <laughs> have a great weekend. Thank you.